Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Uh, welcome to our new The Corner Represents. Um, this is my pleasure to welcome Jay Riola today. Hey, Jay, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for the opportunity. Happy to talk to you. Yeah, we had a quick, uh, quick chat before starting this, this episode. And actually, I was, I was saying that I'm quite pumped, quite excited to have you because you have quite an impressive CV and uh, to a certain extent, a resume that is music to my ears, given my my own personal experience. So um, I'm really excited, and I hope the the audience will, will appreciate what what they will be listening to. Um, <clears throat> usually, we start a little bit with a bit of background from your from your side. So just for for the people, like you are the executive VP, so the vice president of uh, strategy and innovation at the uh, Orlando Magic, so the franchise within the NBA. Uh, but the best is to start with you giving us a bit of your backgrounds. Why sports as well, and uh, yeah, if sure. you can present, well. yeah, happy, happy, happy to dive into that. Um, so, as you touched on my role today, I head up our business strategy and innovation team, um, and I've been with the Magic. This was my 17th season, so I actually started mm-hmm. quite some time ago in 2006, um, and have had the opportunity to grow up in the organization, but in a variety of different roles that have continued to change and evolve and. Um, allow me to get involved in different spaces. Um, but rewinding even beyond my time with the Magic, I, you know, like many in sports and in sports business, grew up as an athlete. I was a basketball player and, and played in college. I played at a small university in San Antonio, Texas, and um, realized during my time in college that there was an opportunity for me to blend my passion and interest in business with the industry of sports. Um, and so in particular, I've always been a huge NBA fan. Um, just, okay. just kind of, I, I <laughs> characterize myself as an NBA junkie. I've, I've always loved the league and the players and the teams. And so when I was in school in San Antonio, I did internships with the Denver Nuggets, which is where I'm originally okay. from, Denver, Colorado. I did internships with the San Antonio Spurs and their WNBA team at the time. I did an internship with USA Basketball, and ultimately that led me to uh, an internship here in Orlando. And so I, I am a little bit of the stereotypical kind of fighting to keep your Big foot challenge. in the door, yeah, fight mm. break through. Um, but all of those opportunities were in different areas of the business, and I think helped guide me to what is the right fit for my skills, my passion, and my interest in terms of analytical thinking, you know, being data driven, um, being kind of strategic and thought. Um, And so when I started with the magic in 2006, I worked in an apartment that was tasked with um, working with the city and the county and some other organizations to bring a new arena uh, to the city and a new arena for the magic to play in. And those were really my first four years with the organization were focused on a new arena. The arena. The arena, the arena yeah. project. 
Okay. Um, let, let me pause on that one, uh, even, even when we start, because 16 years, like a, for me, it's a long experience and I love it because you've seen the ups, you've seen the downs, you've been in different positions, which is great because that gives another level of uh, insights and of expertise uh, within the game we love. Um, but there are two things. First, like you started way high, like two things for me. Um, pro player, we have a specific track with former international players. So I will come back to that one. But the other one is you've mentioned different internships. And usually people listening to us or people in the industry, they like to have some kind of best practices or best advices in terms of how to make it to certain organization or how to, to get into sports or how to, to make this work out at their own personal level. So would you say like doing different internships while you're at the college or visiting different vertical or different departments in different teams or leagues is like a prerequisite or is it like a, some kind of a best way to, to get into a franchise or, or a big like league or what, what's your experience on that knowing all what you've done? Yeah, I would. So for me, my personal experience is that my internships helped build one, a network of people, right? And each one of them, I got to know my supervisor, my colleagues, um, and, and those helped me because one opportunity led to the next, you know? And so in some cases it was a summer internship and I knew that my time there was going to be short. So I tried to not only perform and deliver, but build relationships. And then the next summer when I needed an internship, you know, I could call upon the people I knew at the Nuggets to, tell the Spurs that reference yeah, reference is is a solid candidate. Mm. Um, What, what to me was valuable, but, but perhaps a little bit different than what you're describing is my internships were in grassroots marketing, PR and communications, game presentation in different areas that as I went through them, I I enjoyed being a part of, but I didn't see a career for myself in that space. Mm -hmm. But I also think that they, educated me on the operations of others in the business and what skills and uh, talents are required to perform in those. Yeah. So it was, it was really educational. Um, today, I, I do at think least, at least is, you knew what you didn't want to do. Yeah. It, it allowed you to understand what you don't want to do. <laughs> correct. I, and I, I think today the, I, I would encourage anyone who's really knows their passion about sports to just find ways to get involved because I think you'll learn a lot from any any space, even if it's learning what you don't want to do for your career, but it educates you more on the mm-hmm. the business and the industry. I, I do think today it's different, especially in in my space and in, in analytics and innovation. I think it's more frequent that we are looking to outside industries um, and people with you know technical skills or backgrounds in um, you know with Fortune five hundred companies or. Uh, hospitality, not sports, but hospitality, where there's similar Mm. uh, business nature to inventory management, revenue management, customer personalization and marketing. Um, And so I think that today it's probably different than it was when I started almost 20 years ago in that you don't have to have a sports background because sports has become so commercialized and modern in many respects that there's value in having experiences in, in different industries. That's right. And actually, it may be even a perk. Like it can be even like a, at your own advantage to to have this kind of different look or understanding from other industries. Um, so, okay. I, I like it. And 
I also like to my own experience, I think understanding how that works in other departments or in other businesses, part, still part of the franchise is, is actually key in terms of performing your own area. Uh, if I'm thinking even strategy or innovation in terms of like the way you, you build certain contracts or sponsorship deals or anything like that, you need to understand how they are executed at the ground level or by the teams when there is a game. Uh, because if, if you don't, then sometimes you, <laughs> you come up with silly ideas or silly ways to, to build that new partnership or certain assets that cannot just be executed or won't work out. So I definitely agree on, on that one. Um, and the second one I want to jump into before we, we go into the, the full experience you've had at the, at the magic, but former, like former professional. So. Usually, you know, we, we talk about like how, how it's like and to move from like being like a pro athlete to being off the court. Uh, what's for you? What was the main thing that you get from being like a pro level athlete in basketball to perform more in a managerial role? Well, firstly, I was far from a pro. I was I was a small time college basketball player, but I, I did I did play yeah. in college. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it was evident quickly that if I wanted to stay in sports, it was in more a professional administrative role. It wasn't as a player. It was yeah. uh, okay. working on the business side or the um, you know, front office side. And I think those as as I was preparing for the end of my playing days, it kind of was that was my focus is, OK, how how can I find the right fit for for what I bring um, to the table? So I think um, but I, I think the lessons learned through sports um, are incredibly valuable in any respect. Right. And in, in being a team player um, in, in work ethic and having patience at time and, and kind of understanding. And so a lot of I think those continue to be a value to me and others. I think so often you pro you talk to people all over and so often people in the business side played at an amateur mm. level, some played, you know, at a collegiate or professional level and just have that as a background. And it's something that really um, is kind of hardwired in them. It's just a passion for sports and a passion for being around competition in the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but I, I'm I'm quite impressed actually. Like from college, playing that level, all the internship, and then 16 years, <laughs> 16 years at the Magic. Sounds I mean, I know. I, I, I wanted to <laughs> it sounds forever, but it's gone by fast. No, no, but I guess uh, like you already a bit started. But tell me the I mean, before business strategy and innovation, all of that. I mean, tell me before 2017, 2018. So the the last sure. part of your journey, like. Hamway Center, maybe it was not even something back in the days, like if you were telling me. So can you drive us into like the, uh, yeah. the let's say like the, the first 10 years, 10 plus years of, of sure. the magic experience? Well, so the first the first four years and going back to, you know, similar to the conversation around my internships, working on a new arena project was a crash course in many ways in learning sports business, learning what, what uh, so we, we were able to work with the architects and the designers, um, to um, and all of the operators, different departments to understand what they needed in a venue to be able to operate effectively. And so we studied other basketball and hockey arenas. We studied um, football and soccer stadium, but we really studied all of these different 
um, design philosophies and what was being put into practice throughout throughout sports. And it, it so you had the full three sixty view. Yeah, it helped you understand ticketing, sponsorship, communications, player operations, arena operations, um, and not just for for our NBA club, we were working with the city of Orlando owns and operates our venue and is responsible for bringing in concerts and family events. And so I understood what was needed for them to be able to draw those types of shows. And so those four years were really incredibly educational for me um, and, and giving me a really solid foundation. But what I think kind of transitioning the conversation to more about data analytics and innovation, what was interesting was what was happening at the time in in business and in sports. So in 2010, big data and analytics as a buzzword had taken off, right? And it was becoming uh, corporate strategies across the board in all industries were thinking about data capture, data management. How do we better utilize the data we have to gain insights into our customers and our business? So that was one. And um, we as a, as a team committed to be technologically advanced, not just in scoreboards and video displays and signage, but in investing in systems and people and then implementing that throughout our business. The other the other thing here in the US in particular at that time that, that had taken off was secondary ticket markets. So StubHub and you know now today SeatGeek and Vivid and all of these different resale marketplaces had disrupted the way that sports teams were thinking about their tickets and their ticket prices and how you were reaching your customers to be able to sell them. And so when I, when I transitioned off the Amway center construction project on back into kind of more normal business operations, I was part of a small team that was tasked with creating um, an analytics uh functional area and, and a team that was focused on how do we how do we make data a priority and then how do we transform that into uh, improved business strategies for us. And so ticket pricing and ticket analytics was kind of the first territory that we ventured into because I think we I really think was the first pillar. Like the CRM, like the ticketing CRM was the first pillar to to really like becoming a data driven franchise or organization started with the uh with the with the ticketing yeah, and really t- even ticket pricing i think recognizing that we needed to be smarter about how we priced our tickets um okay. varying the price game to game based on uh different factors around the opponent or the timing of the game or other circumstances and then secondly uh predicting the retention of our customers and how likely a member was to retain their membership or churn from year to year and what were mm-hmm. factors that we could begin to identify that would make customers at risk. And we could use those insights to build a better membership program and to try to influence our fans to try to stay uh, with us. And so those those were kind of two of the areas out of the gate that we, we emphasized. Our team also at that time was a very, very competitive team on the court. We, we reached the NBA finals in 2009. We were, um, I think, an Eastern Conference finalist team in 2010. And so I think there was recognition that uh, it, was, it was important for us to try to better understand how we could maintain members 
knowing that that team performance wouldn't last forever, and it didn't. We uh, we we struggled for quite some time um, after some of those really impressive team performance runs. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I mean, I guess it's part. I mean, the ups and downs. It's part of the journey. You know, you have some key periods like that, and you have some down periods as well from the sports performance side. But that that's that's turning. Um, um, okay, so really starting to focus on the data. Now I, I I start to see the pattern. So from the ticketing, you started to expand a bit more to or the vertical, or you took over a bit more the business strategy as a whole, applying potentially the same methodology in terms of understanding the customers, understanding the needs from the sponsors in terms of what you need in terms of delivery, potentially showcasing them data or what what's the value for them in terms of being your partners and all the rest of the activities, I guess. Correct. I my role and in many ways my my department's role is to um, act as an internal agency in many respects where we're we're leveraging data and we're helping ticket sales or sponsorship um, or premium sales, you know, on our retention teams um, uh, better understand their customers, uh, make, make mm-hmm. better decisions, um, you know, use data to their advantage. Um, and so we really like, you know, kind of the fundamentals of, of the art business strategy and innovation team is data management, research, insights, business intelligence, uh, digital marketing and other marketing technology, like we we run all of our data driven marketing areas. So our email, our website, our app, online paid advertising. But then we also, as a department, and this is this is kind of really became more of my focus in around 2018 was long term strategic planning and innovation. And that's what I'm about to ask. It's like okay. these I understand. I mean. If I can make a parallel, like back in the days, 2017 at UEFA with the new presidents coming in, we started to have what we call the pumpers world, but it was the intelligence center. And the idea was to say, okay, new strategy and you need data and innovation at the core of it to actually enforce the long-term plan for 2020 until 2024 strategy and even beyond. Uh, so I was about to ask you, when does innovation kicks in or is it because it was more something back in 2017, 2018, where you had new tech, potentially even more startups coming up? And so there was a need as well in terms of leveraging the outside, so the external. While you, I love what you said in terms of be, being a, an internal consultancy, uh, I saw myself as the UEFA Innovation Hub as an internal consultancy, helping the colleagues as well internally. Um, so I, I really like the parallel there in terms of like, you're not just leveraging the outside. It's how you transform the company from within, like really helping them. But how do you accompany them in terms of like cultural and mindset change from a pure medium to long term? So that's why I was asking. I was wondering when does innovation kicks in and what does it change a little bit from the pure data driven and, and support you can have from a pure business insights data research perspective that you mentioned? Yeah, I think um, so. A couple things that I would respond to with that: we, especially early on after 2010, were very focused on operationalizing analytics and just uh, you know better pricing our tickets, better predicting customer behavior, season ticket member retention, uh, member acquisition, 
launching a CRM system and running our, our marketing and our sales campaigns more effectively. Uh, but what we also started to do was as we had built predictive models to predict customer behavior, we really started to understand um, what were some of the factors that were most important in determining whether a season ticket holder was going to renew. And I think where we started to, even when innovation wasn't part of my title or my or wasn't oversight of it, we started to take insights from our commitment to data and analytics and understand how we could develop better products for our customers, better experiences for our customers. And I think that we were being inventive and innovative and trying to kind of modernize some of the more traditional and rigid ticketing products. And so if you haven't heard about our our Magic Money program, we in 2014 um, started to allow our season ticket holders to return games that they were unable to attend back to us. And so instead of just telling them, hey, you can resell them, you can forward them to a friend or let them go unused, we knew that overall utilization was was the top behavioral predictor of whether they were going to renew their membership. Mm-hmm. So giving them a convenient way to give us the tickets back, convert the value of that ticket into a digital currency for them that they can use to customize their experience however they want. And so over the course of the season, we play 41 regular season home games. You can return 15 games, create a, a balance of magic money, which is the, the name we give to the currency, and then upgrade your seats, You know, bring a, a group of friends mm-hmm. to a game, pay for concessions or merchandise, and, and really flex your investment however you want. And so that, that I think, is, is perhaps one of the... Um, like best examples of yeah, it's, it's quite approach. impressive. I want to say, but how did you just like if I pause on that one? Is your your team helping the guys from the ticketing directly and with the insight? I mean, how did it work out from like understanding the behaviors from from your fans and making that potentially you had like a trial like or a test period? Like, how did it work out like operationally? Mm-hmm. So at the at the time it was my my boss and predecessor Anthony Perez who um, was our left as our chief marketing officer. It was um, a project that together with him and our our ticketing leadership, mm-hmm. I think we we recognized that there was an opportunity for us to create a new, really a new product feature, but a a, a pretty transformational product feature for our season ticket holders that. Um, would allow them to create more customization and personalization to what their member experience looked like. And so we we had to identify technology partners to help us in this journey. And 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 some of those were existing technologies that we already use. We've we've used Ticketmaster as our ticketing partner and and we've worked collaboratively with them to you know, advocate for some of these product changes that allowed for um these solutions to come to life. And we also looked for new players uh, as well. And so I think part of it was bringing it together, but to, I think more to your point, we had, we had buy-in and, and it's yeah, not always the easiest to get, but we were very fortunate. We had um, the vision and the belief of some of the ticketing leadership within the organization yeah. to, um, to introduce this, even if it was disruptive to their operations in, in some respects, right, is like, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, like if I'm, we're selling these tickets now and you're giving our fans the ability to like give them back to us, what are we going to do? And we're like, well, we can then resell them the single game tickets. Right. And in the long term, we can recoup value there while also allowing our members to have a better experience and renew at a higher rate. Um, and so it's not always easy. And, and sometimes you do have to pilot uh, an yeah. idea. Or, um, no, was it was it one of these uh, best practices or quick wins, if you want, that allows you to open other doors and so to to then grow this kind of test trial or creating new products or embarking potentially other units or when you had other priorities, other business needs, you could like was it kind of a door opener for uh, for other projects of yours? I think I think we probably had. Some examples of door op- door openers, quick wins before this, and, mm. and that were less complicated. Um, variably pricing our tickets led to greater ticketing revenue and attendance levels, and um, you know running more effective campaigns through se- segmentation and insights around who we should be targeting. You know, and kind of some of those practices I think opened the door for a, a much bigger more transformational uh, effort like this to take take store. But I think the th- this has been a really organization-wide commitment, this project, and it continues to be, I think, a really important um, feature for us. But it does take everyone kind of believing in this um, to bring it to life. And it takes ticket operations, ticket sales, client services, marketing to make sure that our fans are knowledgeable around you know, what are the benefits that come with being uh, a member in this respect and that they're using it to, to their to their fullest. Um, but I think, you know, tying this back to the innovation conversation, we were attempting to use insights coming out of our commitment to analytics to, to positively transform our business. I think this is a good example. At the same time, we made a commitment in 2014 just to, to create an innovation department and an innovation lab facility in our corporate offices that I think um, it, it wasn't a part of our analytics and strategy team at that time, but it helped us as an organization to, I think, develop an even stronger culture to be willing to try new and different things, um, to work cross-disciplinary on, on projects that we felt like could allow us to achieve breakthrough results. Um, And that, I think, has kind of simultaneously with our commitment to data being data driven um, benefited us in the long run because people people have a mindset of a willingness to try new and different things. And it's it's from our ownership to our executive leadership. It's really stressed. Innovation is one of like our stated core values. And I think because of that, some of the challenges that oftentimes you you may face, you know, implementing new ideas, we, we've had a little bit less resistance to that because there's mm-hmm. there's so much buy-in and emphasis around that's that's part yeah. of our DNA. Yeah, yeah, you've put, I mean, for me, 99% of innovation is processes, uh, ultimately. Uh, and so if you put the right setup process in place to allow for execution and to allow for these kind of new ideas and for this testing culture i think you you've win it all but i think in what i hear from you and that's something like that's a prerequisite and that's a must the buying from the sea level i mean the, the buying and top management pushing and allowing for this 
cultural change and for this failure and potentially for pushing as well everybody underneath. That's a key, I mean, that's a must have. Uh, but then even though you have this buy-in, sometimes I've seen many innovation initiatives fail because it's not run properly or the execution seems badly. So that's where potentially you can tell us a bit more. It's uh, for you, what would be the, I mean, you are often called the champion of innovation and a bit of digital transformation. So what what was the key of this recipe for you in, in order to be successful like, in, in the organization to allow for these processes, to allow for this like culture um, and so to, to be at the forefront actually of innovation and new tech? Part, part of it is balancing um, an approach that's bottoms up with one that's that's guided um, mm. around core core focus areas um, yeah. because there I mean obviously you want new ideas and um, you know the value of kind of driving innovation is creating value from from new ideas and solutions and so one is being active and listening to people throughout the organization for new ideas. Right. But like, you also have to, you also have to be disciplined and prioritize like what are the strategic priorities from the boards and that's, you know, there's, yeah, you have a journey to follow. And I do think it's, it's difficult sometimes in sports because unlike other industries and companies that can grow into new markets, right. Or develop new products. Like our business model as an NBA team is we know how many games we're playing, right. And we know how many will be home and how many will be away. Um, we, we are an Orlando based operation. Like we're not growing into these. And so there's, there's more structure and definition to that. And I think, um, that creates, the importance of having, like you said, like, right, what are our directives? And so I think in 2018, so I had, um, I had the innovation department kind of restructured under my leadership at that time. Uh, Previous to that, Jack Elkins, who was the founder of our innovation department and our innovation lab, um, and had done a great job of growing that culture. And I think that cultural commitment to, to innovation. But when it came kind of underneath our business strategy department in 2018, we really wanted to try to create that balance between these are our innovation priorities and we're going mm-hmm. to go through an internal process where we talk and listen to everyone and then establish you know, a prioritized list of five to 10 things that we're really going to try to achieve in, in advance. Um, and in that way, we know how to engage our staff in different ways um, around these. And so, you know, creating a frictionless venue, flexible ticketing, um, rethinking some of our premium products, all, some of these concepts, you would hear recurring themes and they would they would continue to bubble up and they became guiding focuses for us. And then I think we, we have um, members of our innovation department who are project facilitators and project managers and, and work with other departments, maybe on those departments priorities and use design thinking and other, you know, kind of design or other innovation. Yeah. yeah. To bring forward value. But we also were able to take these North stars, if you will, around what are the areas we need to be innovative um, and kind of work with our collective organization to try to achieve uh, progress there. I definitely the, see the funnel from like the bottom. I'm seeing like, okay, everybody can be involved, come up with your ideas and everything. 
But then you have the prioritization matrix to a certain extent where just like you said, you have your North Stars and this needs to help us level up or improve in these key areas where we think there is a priority here. So I definitely see it, but usually, you know, when you talk about innovation or, or change, it's like reluctance. Like people first are either afraid and reluctant. And so having people to come and say, no, but we're here to support. This is like free cost for you. We're just here to help. Let us manage or let us may potentially help you like uh, find or better understand the problems uh, and then better solve these problems through the different methodologies you mentioned, design thinking or whatever. But how how was it received? Was it because of the buying from the top management, it was quite smooth? Or, or did you have some difficulties even at first in terms of like making sure the entire organization like flows into it? And what how did you make that happen? Because I think this is some kind of a secret sauce at some point, even in sports organizations where usually you are not that much. I know in North America, it's a bit different, but usually, like you mentioned, sports organizations are still traditional. And in the way the business is set up, you're not necessarily changing everything. So bringing on all the organization, changing the mindsets and all of that, I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on that. I think... Generally speaking, our our buy-in process has been rather smooth, never mm. <laughs> never perfect. Um, and I, I, need, I need to change continent. I need to move. I need, <laughs> I need to relo- I need to relocate in the U.S. A couple of things that I would credit with this. One, I, I think, are like you said, the C-suite buy-in, and it oh. being it being vocally stated as one of our our core values and a commitment that we are making and, and, and not just lip service. Like we've put dollars behind it. We created an innovation lab. We've invested in building a business strategy department. This isn't just something that we, we say we're committed to and don't put our, our resources and commitment behind. Um, another piece, you know, and kind of, we talked about this um, in our, in our pre-conversation, the MBA as a league and the league office does an amazing job. I think of, um, promoting a culture of innovation and challenging teams to be embracing of new technologies and new ideas and also showcasing that at a league level. And so, mm-hmm. for instance, the, the NBA puts on sales and marketing meetings every January um, and, and executives from all 30 clubs go to these meetings and the league um, in addition to calling out best practices by teams, has league updates. And then really, um, in a constructive way, I think, like, focuses us <clears throat> as teams in a league on new concepts, new initiatives, um, pr- promotes kind of this, this, this culture of creativity and innovation. Um, and, you know, it's certainly something I know when Commissioner Adam Silver took the helms, um, innovation was was one of his most important priorities out of the gate. And so I think that that kind of cascades down in many respects to to NBA clubs. And the other piece that I think we that I enjoy about working in sports, we're really big brands. We're we're medium to small sized companies and but to a consumer to a fan what you experience in the outside world, you expect in many, especially, you know, like you expect when I am dealing with the magic. And so if I 
I can use my app to order food to my house and, you know, schedule the time and pay for it all right there. Like, why can't I do that when I'm going to a magic game at Amway Center? Or if, um, if I can book a house using Airbnb or Verbo, right? Like, why can't I have flexibility in my ticket package? Like, you know, and if a conflict comes up and I can't go to this game, why can't I just return and exchange with you? And so I think accepting that some of that is while challenging and can be disruptive, some of that can lead to positive pressures of like us embracing these types of approaches and process, like you said, processes that help us ultimately create a better business and a better fan experience. Yeah, no, on this one, I, and I think you're, you're, your franchise in the NBA first, like globally is maybe at the forefront in terms of understanding that changes, the needs and the uh, consumption's needs that have changed and radically changed over the past years and how we need to innovate to remain relevant as sports organizations at the end of the day. And, and I agree with you, but I think the Timbo uh, at the league level is also super helping from a benchmarking perspective, knowing where where you where where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses, what what you need to prioritize, how you can implement, and how you can learn from the best practices from others from other teams. So, no, no, I, de- I definitely see it. After I think you at the magic, maybe it's it's me hearing it from you, and it feels like it's a bit unique in the way you've done it. To a certain extent, I mean, you can have the push from the league, that's for sure, and everybody is trying to push the needle. But to a certain extent, you have already pressed the button, and that's something core to your DNA. So I think there is something even more there. Um, you've there, there is something like very recent, like you've mentioned all the internal processes, and I love it because usually, first, usually people think that innovation is about brainstorm session and ideas. It's about solving a problem first and understanding that problem. And second, everybody who's talking about innovation thinks about new tech, digital transformation, and startups. While you've been saying very clearly and loudly, which I love, the point from the top management, the processes involving the people from internally, from within the organization, which which is key to me. But you've just launched like the uh, innovation challenge. I guess that's also part of the whole journey. Also, like the emulation or maybe the the needs for the innovation strategy to to formally take place with your colleagues and the different departments in Tennessee. Can you, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to talk about this. We, um, we just completed our second Orlando Magic Innovation Challenge event. Um, we, our first one was last, I want to say April, and we just completed our second one this past weekend. Um, and what the challenge is, is um, an event where we offer the opportunity for people external to the organization. And so you could be a student, okay. you could be a, a, a student in college, undergraduate or graduate. You could be someone working in, um, you know, corporate whomever. role, whomever, a startup enthusiast. Most people are students or just very passionate about entrepreneur entrepreneurship um, and innovation. And so we had, we had 70 total participants sign up for this event. And the way that it works is this past this past one, we did a reverse pitch process. So we had executives from throughout the organization come and communicate a very kind of clear business challenge. Um, and so we had six different business challenges around membership, premium, um, fan activation, growing our, our fan base globally, how we better use esports and in-menu signage. 
And then we allowed the participants to kind of pitch ideas that touched on one of those. They would form teams. They would work on that idea for really two days and receive mentorship from innovation experts in from the Orlando Central Florida community, as well as from okay. um, employees of the magic. And then at the end of the weekend, they would pitch to a judging panel their idea. And um, ultimately, there were, you know, kind of one one winner overall, prize, but yeah. three, yeah, three prize winning teams that um, kind of were were recognized. But overall, it, what's what's amazing is so firstly, I think for us, it is a way to involve the local community and mm-hmm. source ideas and inspiration from people who may not have any experience in sports business, but immerse themselves for a weekend in your business and um, go through the process of gaining research and validation, right? And kind of putting together a solution for you. Um, and so I walk away one really inspired because I think there's so many good ideas, whether it's exactly as it was pitched or it just opens your mind to new yeah. and different ways of doing things. Um, and so we, we've done this for a second consecutive year. We also introduced a similar challenge, but internal to just magic employees. And we felt like this was so effective. So with, same process, same process, very, very, just for internal. Yeah, okay. slightly different, but yes, where any employee could sign up. And I think we had, you know, probably 40 or 50 employees go through a very similar process and pitch ideas Amazing. that Entrepreneurs, um, I love about it. half a dozen were like my team is working to implement and working with operations oh. to kind of try to implement some of these ideas. And, you know, what you'll find is that Oftentimes, very few, or, or maybe not very few, but some require no new technologies. It's it's simply a change in business practice process, um, mm. process. and um, w- you know, working to to kind of implement those is obviously can be sim- can be simpler in some ways, can also be a, a little more challenging in other. Uh, but it's it's fun. I think it's it's part of our demonstration to being innovative, right, and giving the floor to others, both externally and internally, to bring forward new ideas and to work with other colleagues and stakeholders yeah. that you may never work with, right? So we have people from our right, from our human resources department and legal department working together Even with technology. financial, uh, financial. Yeah, um, it's really it's really a cool process to go through. Um, and adds value in so many different ways beyond just innovation. Maybe it's too early stage, but I was wondering if you had different uh, ways to approach. I mean, it's the same, more or less the same process, same challenges, but, you know, you have people living in the magic world, even breathing the, the industry, and that's part of their daily job. So I was wondering whether there's already some kind of a, way to apprehend or a way to tackle these challenges or the issues that are coming compared to completely external, completely new people that can come up with like the most silly ideas for people from within the industry. But sometimes that comes up from an angle that no one has seen about. Have you seen that kind of difference between the the internal and the the external or not really? We have. No, we have. I think Oftentimes what you'll find, you touched on it. So internally, a lot of the ideas or solutions may address how an employee can better achieve their job, right? And so a lot of the solutions are 
maybe more about um, creating a better employee experience, creating a tool that allows employees to have um, better collaboration or communication amongst one another. Um, and externally, because they've never had the experience of working for the magic and, and going through that, it's um, it's around fan experience. It's around yeah. educating them around like, like the game of basketball or what's happening with the magic, um, connecting them for more of the off season period where perhaps they're really dialed in during the NBA season. But once the season concludes, um, you know, they, they don't think of the magic as often. And so I do think we see a little bit of just kind of the natural viewpoints being different in terms of how they're mm -hmm. thinking and what solutions they believe are most important. Um, but I think co they complement one another. And if you're doing uh, both, it's great to get those different great. perspectives. Yeah. And, and I think it's great as well for the staff to work together and get to know better each one with the internal lab and the internal challenge. And at the same time, it's great to involve them as well with the outside and the community because they get fresh new perspective and they get out of it like very two different things, which is, I think for, for the organization, I mean, for the team, it's as a, as an organization as a whole, it's great. So uh, I'm quite cautious of the time. I, I have so many other questions. We need to do a, a second podcast. Mate. I'm, I'm, I think we need. There are still two questions I want to ask, but right before that, I, I just had one that, that I wrote down while you were discussing. It's a, uh, how did you funnel the challenges? Like you, you've mentioned, like for me, it's it's part of the innovation strategy, and I, it's always hard in terms of you know you have your pipe and the funnel, and you go through different gates to make sure at the end potentially it's properly implemented and everything. But how do you come with these kind of external challenges uh, for the community, for every kind of student or worker or startups out there? Is it something? discussed at the manager level and potentially directors and that is then to the C level or how, how, how have you worked that out? So this past challenge was the first time that we did, we called it a reverse pitch where we basically established mm -hmm. these six areas that um, their solution, their pitch solutions needed to address. Those six areas were the result of um, a filtering process that we went yeah. through where we basically our innovation team went on a listening tour is how I would describe it, where we, we intentionally scheduled time with every business unit leader throughout the organization to, and asked questions or like, what are your longer term strategic and innovation priorities? And you would hear a lot, we learned a lot. You would hear ideas ranging from very like global, global things to much more tactical and, you know, short term, depending on what that business unit leader was tasked with and what their area was. And so then we as a team tried to organize them into those common themes, right? And kind of the North Star directions that we needed to be working in. And we use that to guide this. Last year, we didn't do that. We just said any idea that touches on the fan experience. And you got, yeah, you got, and I mean, you know, you can expect you got NFTs, you got metaverse, you got blockchain, uh, you got virtual reality. And a lot of this was really awesome, but it also oftentimes was abstract and a little bit more. It's um, not framed. Um, it doesn't yeah. help you and it's not framed to your needs. So it's, 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 it's sometimes inadequate in terms of translating that to your needs for your organization. Well, that's why I love the reverse pitch, actually. But it's a, it's a big job that you've done. Then in terms of listening to her, 
making sure you prioritize them and you end up with six which are clear i think it's a it's a it's a very nice way to do it um last last questions i I need to ask you that because uh we'll do another podcast i'm sure um you've you've briefly mentioned it in terms of how you you need to change or adapt to new behaviors to new consumptions I guess like the engagement of new generations is pivotal, especially for innovation strategy. So how do you keep adapting to younger fan needs? How data is playing a role maybe around it? Uh, What's your take on that one? Yeah, this is crucial. We, um, I think, and this is, this is an area where we, we work closely and, and oftentimes, um, look to the NBA league for leadership in this space, but digital transformation and um, thinking about our, so ticketing products we've talked pretty extensively about already, right? But like adapting our our ticketing products, what the in-venue fan experience looks like. I think another area that we are really focused on and will continue to be a priority is capturing content and packaging video, podcast, you know, image content in a way that connects with fans and makes being a fan of the magic convenient, simple, valuable. And so that requires access to the team, that requires openness, that that requires, um, you know, staff and production of that, that requires distribution of it. So I think, you 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 know, you, you recently talked with... Um, Jason Bieber at the NBA and you heard more about, you know, and their, their initiatives, the NBA relaunched its app. Um, it created an NBA ID membership program. It's delivering content in a more vertical form. That's very similar to how it feels on social media channels. And so we're, we're working on all of those same things too. Um, and I think that is in part to stay connected to the younger fan base, um, yeah. The other piece that you know we're we're involved with is the NBA 2K League. We have a professional esports franchise, and I think we recognize gaming and um, gamification and esports, and all of these are our strategies as well to grow interest in the game of basketball and connections to our brands. Um, and so it's something that balancing the what is the requirement of today and the business of today with how we need to prepare for the future is is. Uh, a priority as part of my role and my responsibility with the team. Um, and those are a couple of examples of, of ways in which we're, we're focusing on that. No, I like it. Really. I like it. Uh, so I'm, I'm just watching the time for the people that just hear right. me. I, I, I pushed off my next one. I told him I was going to be five minutes late so we can, uh, let's, <laughs> let's go. I know you it's got all one. Right. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to ask you, you know, we, we usually, like to finish with a bit of inspiration or that's that's an easy one to go i think it's i mean i always like to 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 hear from new people to to listen to new podcasts to potentially read new books or or whatever watch a new tv series so do you have any kind of new recommendation of something you've come across that you feel it's a must read or a must watch for anybody in that space that want to level up yes i do um, I, right. I, I just finished reading a book called Loon Shots by Safi Bacall. And the book is about how to nurture crazy ideas 
Um, and Love so, it. you know, kind of the subtitle of the book is how to nurture crazy ideas that win wars, cure diseases and transform industries. And there were a couple things that are, I think, very applicable to our conversation today. One is that um, oftentimes great ideas have to go through three deaths before they're actually accepted and implemented. And so mm-hmm. for us who are innovators, having patience and just because an idea died once and was met with resistance doesn't mean that it's a bad idea or, or couldn't still have viability. Um, the other piece that I, we talked about today from the book is balancing what the author refers to as franchises versus loon shots, right? And so you need your dreamers mm-hmm. and you need your operators and you need to, to love and embrace both. Um, but you need part of your business to run predictably and be um, operationally efficient while you're also thinking about ways in which that can be disruptive and advanced in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a really good book. It's, it's filled with great historical examples of ideas and companies that have failed or succeeded in this space and makes it, I feel like, easily understood and digestible in some respects. And so people who work in innovation, business strategy, analytics, mm. I think it's a, it's a really good book for um, for thinking and kind of being inspired in that space. I think I will have a read because from what you say, it feels like uh, can help me as well in terms of uh, improving the playbook. You know, you always come up with these kind of initiatives and the way you see how to make an organization more innovative. You don't have only one recipe. It all depends on the organization, how it structures and the people within it. But from what you've just said, it feels like, okay, you have some kind of decent research and like data and insights from it in terms of like, okay, what are potentially key success factors or some few ideas in terms of improving your playbook for innovation strategy. So that's that's a good one. Thank, thank you for sharing it. I think I'm... Yeah, thank you. And, and just thank you for the time, Jay. Honestly, it's uh, it was really it was really interesting. Uh, it was really a privilege. So uh, I was joking about it, but uh, I had a lot of other questions more on the data side of things in terms of how you operate it, how you've you've transformed your database, and how do you leverage data to to your daily activities. But that may be for another discussion or once I'm flying to the US, maybe I will see you one and we can have a chat about that. Well, I, I welcome you to Orlando. Come come visit <laughs> us in, in warm and sunny Florida someday and we um, I'm happy to continue the, the conversation. But thank you for the inv- invitation. Thank you for um, your podcast. As, as I was telling you before, it's incredible the list of um, people throughout the sports industry that you're able to, to have these really, really interesting conversations with. And it adds a lot of value to uh, the space and people like me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it as much as we love creating them. If you like the episode, feel free to comment, rate, and share with people around you. You can visit our website, www.lastsource.io to learn more about our activities. You will discover a wide range of articles and can subscribe to our newsletter to receive the latest tech and sports news in your mailbox every month. Stay tuned for new episodes. Le Corner.